You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Good morning, Mission Redlands Church. I am so excited that you are once again here engaging in a time of worship where we have come into the presence of the living God as a community. Though it's online, we are still here. We are gathered. We are assembled in the commonality of the faith in Christ. And we are in week two of a new series called First Love. And as we and by we, I mean the teaching team. As we got together, we, as we spoke of this series, as we shared what was in our heart, what we felt maybe God was speaking into our hearts, one of the things that we felt pressed upon us that God wants to ask, not just the Mission Redlands, but the church worldwide, is where are you? Where are you? Now, we don't mean where are you in the sense of a location, of course, but where are you in your discipleship? Where are you in your walk with Jesus? Are you even on a walk with Jesus? Where are you? See, make no mistake, when God asks us, where are you? He knows the answer to the question. He knows where we are in that walk. But when he asks that question, he is intent on being provocative with the question in order to elicit a response within us about where we are. It's a call to self-reflection, if you will. Think about when God asks this question of Adam and Eve in the garden after they have sinned, after the, the, or after the fall, uh, before God makes his pronouncement, right? But after they have sinned, think about it. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, God says, or or rather, uh, excuse me, Genesis says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? God knew where Adam and Eve were. So the question was not meant to actually educate God, but again to provoke a response, uh, to provoke a self-reflection of what they had done. In fact, the question eventually leads to a somewhat partial confession. Seeking to place blame somewhere, they answer, but it still was meant to produce a response from reflecting. And so God is asking his church today, where are you? I feel this is especially pressing in this moment where the culture goes back and forth and it sways and, 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 and serious issues are taking place in our society. God is calling the church to be the church and he's saying, where are you? God is asking this of the church to elicit in each of us that self-reflection that they had in the garden. I feel like God is asking, where are you? Are you my disciple? Where are you? Are you my disciple? Or did you just repeat some words at some point in the past? Someone might answer to that 
Well, I prayed the prayer to accept Jesus in my heart, so I am good. And by the way, that's church lingo. That sounds very Christianese. I accepted Jesus into my heart. If you're new to church, that's something that, that Christians tend to say when they've had a profound moment. And I'm not denying the power of that moment, but what I am asking for us to do is to question the authenticity of it. Because this is an important question to ask ourselves. See, in his book, David Platt, the book specifically called Follow Me, he talks about a serious, serious issue within the American church. Regarding people that proclaim to be disciples but are not simply because they once said some words. Here's what he says about those that did the prayer to accept Jesus in their hearts. Here's what it says, or what David Platt says in his book. Should it alarm us that the Bible never mentions such a prayer? Should it concern us that nowhere in Scripture is anyone ever told to ask Jesus into their heart? (laughs) Or to invite Christ into their life? Yet this is exactly what multitudes of professing Christians have been encouraged to do. And they've been assured that as long as they said certain words, recited a particular prayer, raised their hand, checked a box, signed a card, or walked an aisle of a church, they are Christians and their salvation is eternally secure. And David follows that by saying, it's not true. With good intentions and sincere desires to reach as many people as possible for Jesus, we have subtly and deceptively minimized the magnitude of what it means to follow him. We're taking off right where Pastor Jason left us last week when he talked about following in the context of our first love. David goes on to say, we've replaced challenging words from Christ with trite phrases in the church. We've taken the lifeblood out of Christianity and put Kool-Aid in its place so that it tastes better to the crowds and the consequences are catastrophic. Multitudes of men and women at this moment think they are saved from their sins when they are not. Where are you? Where are you? Did you forget your first love? Did you ever experience? Did you ever have that first love to begin with? It's important for us to understand that there are many people that are deceived into thinking that they are disciples. Listen to what Jesus says, not just David Platt. Now let's listen to what Jesus says about many who think they are disciples of Jesus. In Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, I have to make a parenthesis here. We're not saying that one is saved by the works that one does. That's not what we're saying here. Is is one saved by works? No, the resounding answer in Scripture in the New Testament, specifically, directly addressed anyway, although it's also addressed in the Old Testament, the specific answer is no. We're not saved by what we do. 
But what we do is a thermometer, it's a spiritual thermometer of our discipleship. If we claim to be disciples of Christ, but the evidence isn't there, then we need to ask ourselves, one, have we gone astray and forgotten our first love? Or two, did we ever even experience that first love? See, the problem, I think, is in part that we're told to believe in Jesus. We're told to believe in Jesus. And when we use the English word believe in the American context, it kind of sounds like, well, yeah, I agree. He's, he's the son of God and he died for my sins. Sure, I'll accept his forgiveness. But the problem is the Greek word pisteo, uh, that is used often to indicate faith in the New Testament, is, a little, is used anyway in the New Testament in a deeper sense. Faith is a lot more powerful than just saying, I agree with these facts about Jesus. <laughs> I agree with these facts about Jesus. Cool, you can agree with these facts about Jesus and have plenty of idols. That's not what faith is. To have faith, to be a true disciple, or to follow, as Pastor Jason said, and we're concentrating on today, is to repent and believe. Now check this out. You may think that repent means feel guilty. And I'm sure that there's, an, a, a, there's a temporary element of guilt in repentance. For sure, we, we, we wrestle emotionally with feeling guilty. But repent is better and deeper than guilt. <laughs> repent, it's, than feeling guilt anyway. Repent, if you look at the Greek word for repent, it means to think differently. Woo! To think differently. See, the person that did that stuff in the past thought differently than this disciple. To think differently. Now, in the Hebrew word for repent, if you go to the Old Testament, it means to return. It means to change your direction. So when God asks us today, where are you? He's kind of asking us, where are you headed? Did you turn towards me? Or did you recite a prayer and continued in your direction and not mine. Come on. He's asking, where are you today? Have you forgotten your first love? Did you ever experience it? Where are you headed? Are you headed in your direction or did you return towards me, though imperfect you may be? Point number one today. If you want to know whether or if we are to know whether we follow Jesus or not, we first must know if we're a disciple. So point number one, what is a disciple? A disciple follows, as Pastor Jason said last week, a disciple follows Jesus, listen, by dying to self. Okay, imagine if instead of telling people that they need to accept Jesus in their hearts, we say that they need to die to themselves for Jesus. I think people would be much more aware of the cost of discipleship. We need to die to self. A disciple, I need to say it again because I want you to sit on it as I've been sitting on it and I'm challenged by it. It's been disturbing me, right? A disciple follows Jesus by dying to self. You, it means you surrender everything. Everything and anything. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. And he said to all, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Have I lost my life in order to have life, true life anyway? Have I died to self? Or do I just look the part? Where are you? Are you a disciple? Or do you look the part? Jesus when a rich young ruler comes to him to ask, how does he inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, do this, do this, do this, do that. And he says, yeah, I've done all that stuff since I was young. Jesus says one thing, you know, there's one more thing we got to address here. And he says, by the way, after looking at him with love, he says, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But he goes away. See, is God above everything in my life? That person to which Jesus told that, God wasn't above everything in his life. Possessions were above God. He looked the part, though. He did every other good thing that a good Christian should do. You might look the part, But what's, do you have idols? Not only is God above everything, is God above everyone in your life? Jesus at some point says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And by the way, he says it right before reiterating, whoever does not take take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So to follow Jesus, to take up your cross, to die to yourself is to love him above, not just everything, above everyone. Jesus must be above everyone. Do we understand the cost of what it is to be a disciple? Where are you? God is asking you today. He's asking me. He's asking all of us. I had a student, and I'm not going to share his name, but he, I don't know where he is today, spiritually, But he told me that he had grown up and that he considered himself to be of a particular Eastern faith. Again, I'm not going to give details. And when he was considering and reckoning with some of the supernatural signs that he felt God was giving him through, through Christ and that he was being called to follow Christ, the one thing he said, he understood the cost. He said, yeah, but I don't, my, my family would reject me. And so... I don't know where he is today. I pray that he made the decision to put Jesus above all because he's worth it. The last point that I make today that I feel God wants to remind us is that, yes, a disciple is someone that dies to his or herself. But think of this. A disciple dies to self because he or she wants to experience ultimate love. A disciple dies to self because of ultimate love. And see, see, here's the thing. You, can't, you can fake good acts. You can come to church or not come to church. You could give to people, but you can't fake love in the heart, right? God calls us to love him with all of our hearts. 
And a disciple dies to self because of ultimate love. I have been crucified with Christ, says Paul in Galatians. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the same person that later on says that Christ is better than everything, that, that he counts all as lost next to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. See, here's the crazy dichotomy of a disciple. This is what's so good, or not dichotomy, the, the parallel between Jesus and us disciples. When I understand that Jesus died and resurrected for me out of love, when that grips my heart, I want to die and be born again. See, Jesus died and resurrected, and my response in love because of what he did for me that I didn't deserve is I want to die and be born again. I want to die and be born again. This is, this, this is that rich parallel where I want to mimic what he did. What he did for me, I want to mimic out of a response for love. Do I love Jesus to the point of dying to self? Where are you? Where are you? Do I love Jesus to the point of dying to self? Or do I just want to get check marks? Am I a disciple? If I am, did I forget my first love at some point? See, it's much more than a religion. It's dying to self, putting everything about you aside for the sake of the greatest love ever. For the, great, for the sake of the one who deserves the greatest love ever and who displayed the greatest love to me. Am I a disciple where am I? Where are you? I pray that these questions just produce, if, if we're a disciple, that they would produce in us just a, a greater sense of joy and love towards just our walk alongside God that we would continue to pursue with more holiness, pursuing to give up everything, to die to everything. And that if we haven't experienced that, that we would die, decide today to die to self for the sake of the one true love that the Father gave us in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as the church looks inward and asks itself, the people in, in all of the local churches ask themselves, am I a disciple? Where they, when they ask themselves, where am I? That they would understand that discipleship is about giving up everything and anyone. It's about putting you first because you are worthy and because you put your life aside for us. That we would understand that we are being called to die to self and live a new life because you died and came to life. May we follow that parallel as disciples. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.